What's up, Joe? What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Sports 360. I'm Jeff Fennell, and I'm here with my man, partner in crime, Rob Duran of Rob Duran Sports. Rob, what's up, man? How you doing? Hey, what's going on, Jeff? Doing well on this side. How are you? Good. Enjoying the summer. Um, Mid-August, still have summer to go. I tell you this, Rob. Now that I'm out of school, let me tell you, summer doesn't doesn't end just because, you know, little Tommy and little Jane got to go to school. Too bad for y'all. You know what I mean? I'm... (laughs) (laughs) I still got some. <laughs> it's still warm, ain't it? It's still warm. I could still wear shorts. I could still wear sandals. I could still barbecue in the backyard. Know what that says? It's summer. Don't matter to me. Y'all got homework. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fact, man. That is very true. So people talk about summer coming to an end. Speak for yourself. <laughs> I got a lot of summer left. <laughs> So I'm enjoying it, man. Um, just dropped off uh, our grandson, man. He uh, He's a Tar Heel, man. He just nice. moved in. University of North Carolina. Um, in, in fact, today's his first day of class. So I got to check on him later this evening and, and see how that went. But, um, you know, a lot of things going on. But it's all good. How's things on your end? Everything's good, man. Congratulations on the grandson. Uh, that's a, that's, yeah, that's nice. huge. That's huge. Great school. Um, and hopefully he does well and, and, and graduates with high honors and all that. Um, on my side, it's been pretty good. I will say it's been a great summer. Been traveling here and there um, and not being home as often, which is good. Good to see and good to, to enjoy some family time outside and enjoying the sun. Yeah. And just think, Rob, it was just two years ago that around this time we were like we were still on shutdown yeah that was the weirdest summer you know where you you know you know you have fourth of july barbecues by yourself and, yeah. you know, <laughs> labor day by yourself you know at least most people um yeah. but here we are two years later went through a lot as a society and as a world right with this virus um but you know we're at a point now, CDD issued some new guidelines. And I think the reality now is people just understand we have to learn to live with this virus in our midst, you know? Yeah. That's yeah, the reality. That, that, that is. And, you know, and a lot of things were like that in the past with different types of diseases and stuff like that. And, and you know, it hits, it hits a little harder because we experience it now and we get to actually yeah. live it as opposed to just read about it. Um, but it's been an adjustment. We've adjusted and, and glad to see we're not so much on the other side of it, but, you know, living, quote unquote, our normal lives for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the best we can do, right, is to try to make the best of it. And I think we are. And, and so um, all in all, man, you know, it's the summer has been great. Um and like I said, I look forward to a little bit more of it over these next few weeks. Um, but also, man, what I look forward to over these next few weeks are the pennant races starting to come into focus. Because I think we're going to have some interesting or potentially some interesting pennant races, perhaps in the NL East. Um, NL West is decided. NL Central is close with St. Louis and Milwaukee. AL East, even though the Yankees have been struggling, we'll talk about that. They still have a sizable lead in their division. Houston has the West is seemingly wrapped up. And then the Central is, is tight with the Guardians right now of all teams in first place and the White Sox and Twins close behind. So, you know, there's a there, there are a few divisions that are blowouts, but um you know, you have you know you have three of them who are that are pretty tight. So we should have some good pennant races coming down the stretch, and then and then of course we're going to have the jockeying for the wild, wild, and that's really where the action is going to be. Yeah, man. And listen, we spoke about it a few weeks ago. Baltimore's still right there. 
Wow. They passed the trade deadline. They traded, you know, Trey Mancini and a couple of other guys, but they're still right there. So yeah, they're a game a, and a half out of end. the last wild card spot as we speak right now. Yeah, it's going to be a fun month of, you know, the end of this month and then seeing how September plays out. Yeah, yeah. But um, so let's talk about our hometown t- teams. Um, There was a time, man, uh, you know, we were going to <clears throat> record – at a time when the Mets and Yankees had the identical record, you know what I mean? And it was like, wow, look at this. And right now the Mets actually, and you know this, I'm sure you do have a better record than the Yankees. I know it. When was the last time this deep in the season that Mets have had a better record than the Yankees? Honestly, I don't man, recall I it. I can't think of a, of an exact time. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 been uh you know, it's it, you know, that's one of those Elias sports bureau yeah. type <laughs> things. They got to look that up. But you know, the Mets have been playing well and the Yankees recently and it, and it recently has not, has stretched for what would you say? 4 weeks, 5 weeks, you know where they really haven't been playing. I would say so, yeah. The type of baseball that they were certainly earlier in the season. And so it's a combination of the Mets playing well over the last several weeks and the Yankees not. And so there's been a pretty drastic swing there. But um, the Mets have played well. Um, They had a five-game series with Atlanta not long ago, took four out of five, um, swept Cincinnati, and then took two out of three from Philadelphia. Um, and starting tonight, the Mets are in Atlanta for a four-game set, followed by a four-game set with Philadelphia in a city of brotherly hate. Um, so <laughs> what do you think? Because I don't like the Phillies, bro. <laughs> I don't like the Phillies. So, hey, come on, man. You throw snowballs at Santa. You can't be the city yeah. of brotherly love, man. Yeah. You, you clap when Michael Irvin lies on the on the turf motionless because he got a hard hit and you're clapping that ain't brotherly love nah i ain't got nothing good for philly so but um so what do you think about the mets man um you know i i as i'm a mets fan and i tell you this i I, i'm watching what's going on with the mets and you know what i'm doing rob i'm going okay just wait 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 for it (laughs) you know what i mean like i'm waiting the mets to I'll go back you, to being the Mets. I'll tell you what, man. I think, and I think I've told you this a couple times, you don't have to worry this year. The Mets are, they're a good team. They're a really good team. Um, I think outside of the Dodgers, obviously, the Mets are probably the best team in the National League. Um, and I can say that pretty much with confidence. Um, they played well. They had a little bit of a rough stretch at one point in the season. And I think they've really hit their stride now. They got the Grom back. Scherzer is who he is, and having those two at the top of the rotation, I mean, that that's almost a, a two-game winning streak waiting to happen every week. You know what I mean? So I think, yeah. you know, it's hard to, to kind of lose games when you're already winning two games in a row, and then maybe you lose another game, but you're fine. You, you, you get right back up. Um, the Mets are a good team. Offensively, you know, they're kind of starting to find their stride. They got Vogelbach, who, you know, when they first traded him, I was like, I don't know if that's the, the impact bat that we were talking about um, when we we're talking about leading up to the trade deadline, but he's been a nice addition to that squad as well. Um, so I, if I'm you, Jeff, I don't worry too much about the Mets. I think they're in a good position. They have a, a five-plus game lead in their division. Um, obviously, Atlanta's playing well, but the Mets are also playing well. So I think they're not going to lose much ground from here on out, and I think they're safe where they are. I hear all that, and, and I understand, and I watch them. I mean, I agree. They're, they're a very good team, you know, um, and it starts with their pitching. Because um, you, you talked about Scherzer and DeGrom, and then you got Chris Bassett, who's a strong number three. Mm. And Carrasco's been pitching really well. And Taiwan Walker, other than that game against the Braves where, you know, he got touched up, you know, um, and only lasted an inning, he's been pitching really well the entire year. So it starts with their pitching. Diaz has been at the back of the bullpen. 
But I tell you, Rob, it's the middle. It's the guys who bridge who bridge the Diaz that concern, right? That concerns me, and the lack of overall pop in their lineup. Now I agree. I wasn't so crazy about the Vogelbach um, acquisition at first, but then I see what they're doing with him and you know hitting against you know right-handed pitching the lefty. And then they got Darren Ruff from San Francisco, who just eats up left-handers. And so as their DH um, combination, to me, Vogelback and Ruff are so much better than Dom Smith and J.D. Davis. Yeah. So I think that's been a real improvement for them. So, But they had to piece it together. <laughs> you know what I mean? They yeah. had to piece it together. <laughs> Um, but you know, they did do that. And then Lindor has just quietly really had a good season. He's starting to hit the ball a little bit better too. His average has really climbed. You know, you can see the on base and OPS going up, um, you know, 82 RBIs out of the shortstop position and he's not done yet. He's really been good. Um, you know, but I, I think for me, I would like to see, a stronger bullpen, <clears throat> Vino and Lugo and Trevor May. I don't, I don't really have confidence in those guys. Like they, they seem to have been in the in, in in the main. They've been pretty good, but man, I just watched those guys. I can't say I got a whole lot of confidence when I watch them out there. You know what I mean? So, so I don't know. And then I think about the Braves in that lineup. Um, because the Braves have a really good team, Rob. I mean, they, they have do. a really good team. They do, and they just continue to bring up these young guys. We're talking about it, Michael Harris and um, and Vaughn, and they just come in, plug them in, and, and they're raking. They're <laughs> knocking yeah. the ball out of the park, getting on base, doing what they have to do, and, and they just keep winning games. So, yeah, Atlanta is a, is a very real threat. Um For not just the Mets, for, for the National League in general. Obviously, reigning World Series champs. They're, they're a team to – you can't ignore them, that's for sure. No, you can't. And, and I think, for me, I think the, the, you know, the, the Braves are just loaded with offensive weapons. I mean, starting with Acuna at the top of the lineup, who's starting to swing the bat a whole lot better. Then, you know, you, go, you, then you got Swanson and, and Olsen and Riley, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and then their catchers, man, Dono and, and William Contreras – have just been phenomenal talking about piecing up a position together you know their combined offensive production is you know in in a lot of the power numbers like home runs ops and things rbis first to second you know in the national league and so they're they've really done well there and then you know they got the guys eddie rosario and you know marcelo suna and then the young guys as you talked about um but the thing for me is they got strong pitching too. They do. You know, strong starting pitching with Freed and Charlie Morton. Spencer Strider, hmm, I'm telling you now. I don't know if it's his mustache. <laughs> you know what I mean? Look like he's like he, he come from another era. Look like he wanna be in a Charlie Chaplin movie or something. But so I, don't know, <laughs> I don't know if it's his mustache or what, but I'm not sold on him just yet. I mean, he got good stuff, but I'm not sold on him just yet. But, you know, so far he's been pretty good. But, you know, they got some good starting pitching. Um, but their bullpen, Rob, you know, they got Kenley Jensen at the back. They got Iglesias, who they just picked up, who's, like, pitching the eighth inning. Um, and then, you know, they got Matzik and A.J. Minter and <laughs> I think uh, Kirby Yates is coming back if yeah. he hasn't come back already. You know what I mean? They, they, some, just... they got some guys in there. <laughs> yeah, man. They, they got some, and, and and this is with good starting pitching. So it's not like they can only they hope to get the five and then they got to go to the bullpen. They have guys in Max Freed and 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 maybe Strider and Charlie Morton, and what's the other guy's name? Kyle. What's his Kyle name? Kyle Wright. Yeah, Kyle Wright. You know, and they could pick up Odorizzi. Um, they can they can get you to the seventh inning. So yeah. it's not like you're going to need, 
you know, every night to run through your bullpen. But, man, the Braves have some arms back there, man. They really do. They do. They, they're – listen, once the playoffs start, everyone is at 0-0. So I know I'm saying the Mets have the – I think they have the East locked up, even though it's only a five-and-a-half game league, which, you know, five-and-a-half games can go anywhere. But once the playoffs start, short series, you know, if it's a five-game series or when you get to the, the championship series, you get to the seven games, the Braves are not a team that I want to face, especially if they go into the playoffs on fire, the way they have, yeah. you know, even last year, a couple of years back. That's not a team I want to face. Not at all. Not at all. Um, and so I think the Mets and Braves <clears throat> and the Dodgers are clearly, right now, um, you know, the best teams in, in the National League. And the Dodgers, as quiet as it's kept, I mean, you know, the Dodgers just – had a 12-game winning streak broken. And I think going into that game, I think there was something crazy like they won 35 out of their last 39 or something like that. That's not even fair. I mean, it's just <laughs> nuts, man. And no one's really paying them a lot of attention. No. They're 79 and 34. And I don't know if it's the expectation of like, yeah, we knew they were going to do it. They're loaded. They, they're deep they're getting guys back dustin may is a guy who is yeah. filthy he's coming back it's been embarrassing Bueller's gonna Richard. come back Kershaw. Yeah. <laughs> i mean they've been doing Bueller, they haven't done it you know bueller's been down may's been down longer kershaw recently went down and they just keep on humming they just picked up joey gallo who, who's suddenly hitting again yeah it's it's something man yeah I mean, so, um, but the National League is interesting. But, you know, look, I'm watching, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with my Mets. Um, again, a four-game series with Atlanta starting tonight as we're speaking. Um, and then a four-game set with Philadelphia in Philadelphia over the weekend. And then they go to face the New York Yankees in the Bronx. Um, but what's going up in, what's going on up in the Bronx, man? The Yankees have not been doing well. And um, if you could identify what ails the Yankees or what has ailed the Yankees uh, over the pa- during this bad stretch, what would it be? If I had to pinpoint one thing, I would probably say it's the injuries they've had to deal with. And not just injuries in general, but the people who have been injured. Um, Giancarlo Stan going down was a big one because he, he's been doing a really good job this season both in the outfield and, you know, with the bat, obviously, at the plate. Um, And just having him out of the lineup kind of almost shows out. I'll say this. Him in the lineup really hid the fact that guys like Donaldson were struggling for stretches, that Gleyber Torres, even though he was kind of catching his stride. Once Giancarlo Stan went down, Gleyber Torres started struggling. And I think it's the added pressure of, all right, you're no longer like our number six or seven hitter. You're moving up to that four or five slot because we need you in there. And then Rizzo gets hurt for a little bit, and he didn't go on the IL or anything, but he was out with back issues for a few games. So now you're moving guys up in the lineup, the Donaldsons, the Gleyber Torres, the Trevinos, moving them up in the lineup. And you're starting to see flaws in that lineup because the Yankees are not as deep as other teams. You know, we're talking about Atlanta as a deep team. The Dodgers a deep team. The Yankees weren't built, at least right now, to withstand those type of injuries, the big-time injuries. And I think that's kind of where the struggles began. And then, you know, obviously guys are going to catch up and adjust to certain pitching. So the, the starting rotation struggled a bit. They've kind of found their stride again. But the big losses is, you know, the lineup, the Giancarlo Stans being out, and then the bullpen. They lose Michael King, who I thought was having a phenomenal season. Mm-hmm. He was one of the best pitchers in the game. And then he goes down. He's out for the year. Um, they obviously lost Chad Green much earlier, but I don't think that really – affected them too much, but I think the loss of Michael King to kind of shore up that six, seven, even the eighth inning at times, that's a huge loss because he could cover those multiple innings as a reliever. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right that the injuries have had a lot to do with it for all the reasons you just stated. Um, but, you know, as you as we all know, injuries are just part of the game. You got to find your way through. We just t- went 
you know, talked about the Dodgers and some of the injuries they faced. Yeah. Um, the Dodgers are just loaded in a way that, in ways that a lot of teams simply are not, you know. Um, but, you know, look, the Yankees still have a comfortable lead um, in the division, even though they got some games coming up in the division with Tampa and Toronto on tap. But I think you still have to feel good about the sizable cushion that they have and just hope you can get some bodies back and start to play better heading into the postseason. Because you said it earlier, you know, when we talk about the Braves, you don't want to play them, especially if they're hot going into the postseason. And that's like with any team, you know. And so the Yankees, yeah, they're scuffling right now. But if they turn it around in time for the postseason and kind of go in playing some good baseball, then, you know, you have to feel good about that. But there's still a lot of baseball to play, though. And they, they, they do need to turn it around. They, I don't think we can keep kind of, like shrugging the shoulders. I think the Yankees need to play some better baseball. Even if they lose some games, just play better. You know, there's just games they've been thrown away, games they're just not hitting, getting shut out so many times recently, right? That's yeah, not it's, them. It's a lot of non-competitive baseball they play, especially what it seems like late in innings with base running mistakes and, you know, stuff like that, where it's like it doesn't you know, like I'm not hitting the panic button at this point, at least not yet. If this was mid-September, I'm – destroying that panic button you know but right now it's you know i'm not panicked i'm more frustrated with the play that's going on you know the type of play going on it's mistakes that they weren't making early in the season and a part of me almost feels like (laughs) they're kind of coasting through the month of august and saying all right let's just we have a big cushion let's get through it we have a decent enough team even with the injuries to win a couple games not lose much ground double-digit lead in the division. Let's just get through the month of August, get healthy, and then September comes around. Let's catch up back to speed. Let's really get things going. You know, because I look at their bullpen too, Jeff, and there are guys in the minor leagues who have options and all that stuff. So, obviously, it's, it's some of what somewhat of the business side of baseball. Guys who have options who should be at the major league level. You know, the Marinaccios and, and Clark Schmidt, two guys just right off the bat who should be in the major league roster out of that bullpen at least as opposed to, you know, some of the guys they have who they don't use or who are blowing games. So maybe, like I said, they're coasting through the month of August just to kind of get through and be healthy for the playoffs. But, yeah, they have to have – they have to play better. They have to play more motivated and, and just show like you care, I guess you can say, and, and play some Yankee baseball. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um you know, over these next several weeks, see if they can can turn it around. Um, but even heading into the postseason, if the Yankees do turn it around, and you have to figure they're going to play better than they've been playing. And put it this way, Rob, if they don't, then they might as well just, you know, make vacation plans early because they're going to be leaving the postseason early, you know, if yeah. they don't start playing better. So you have to believe that they will play better, though because they're a better team than this. But even if they do do that, what about Houston, who I think in in this regular season, coming into Yankee Stadium, yeah, they, they split a four-game set, but they easily could have won all four of those games, if not for some heroics by Aaron Judge mm-hmm. in the two games that the Yankees won. And then, you know, the Yankees had – some games in Houston and lost them all. So, you know, and, you know, you got the history where Houston just, you know, for years now have been the Yankees' nemesis in the postseason, knocking them out several times. So even if the Yankees do play better, how confident or how much confidence or lack of confidence do you have, you know, with Houston looming in the postseason, and who, by the way, just got Moses back? Yeah. Listen, Houston is, to me, to this day, Houston is the team to beat in the AL. It doesn't matter what, you know, obviously they're the best team in the AL record-wise right now. Even if the Yankees win, ended up winning 120 games this season, I'm still not 100% confident they can beat Houston until they actually beat Houston. Um, and we saw that, and like you pointed out, in the regular season, 
when that series came up, I said, all right, this is the one I'm nervous about because this is where we're going to see if the Yankees are really who they are. And they split that series, but like you said, it could have been a sweep. It could have been a sweep. And, and as far as I'm concerned, Houston is the team to beat. That is the Yankees' boogeyman this season, and that's the team you have to aim for. You ha- they're going to be there. I have, I have no doubt that Houston will be in the ALCS unless, you know, something happens. They got Verlander and McCullers there, one and two, and then they got a bunch of other guys who are filthy to fill out the rest of that rotation. And their lineup is who they are. Houston is the best team in the American League, and the Yankees have to get past them if they want to win number 28. Yeah. It sure, it sure seems that way. It sure seems that way. Um, and, but other than Houston, I don't know right now who poses the biggest threat to the Yankees. I still think, you know, you know, they're better than, you know, what would be the wild cards right now. I think they're better than Toronto. Um, yeah. Seattle's an interesting one, though. I was going to um, point them out. <laughs> Seattle's yeah. an interesting one. I think the Yankees could have their hands full with Seattle. And then Tampa is there. But I, don't, I just don't think Tampa has what it takes this year. I know they're hanging around and give them credit for that, given all the injuries that they have had. Talk about injuries, Rob. I know. Yeah, I don't yeah. think there's <laughs> any team that has dealt with more guys on the injured list than Tampa. Um, and they're still in that third wild card spot, followed by the Orioles, Minnesota, and the Chicago White Sox, and even Boston, not too far behind. Um, but of all of those teams, I think Seattle is the team that, if I'm the Yankees, I would be concerned about the most. I agree. They have a good. They have good pitching, and especially picking up um, Luis Castillo at the trade deadline, and Robbie Ray pitching much better. They they have a, a legit, legit chance at making some big noise in the playoffs if they're able to get in. And I think they will get in. So so that's a team definitely to watch come postseason play. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, as we speak, I mean, it's really, really tight. And, and again, yeah. as we mentioned earlier, you know, a lot of the divisions are wrapped up, but, you know, the real – the real um, interesting fights are going to be um, in the wild card. And in the American League right now, there's a log jam in the wild card. So we'll see what happens there. Um, let's switch gears for a second. Stay, st- staying with baseball, but going to a team in the National League who is also in the middle of the wild card hunt, the San Diego Padres, who made, the, without question, the biggest splash, right, at the, at the trade deadline, trading yeah. for Juan Soto, right? Um, you know, there was a, so much talk about Juan Soto potentially getting traded. To tell you the truth, Rob, I thought it was too much talk about him being traded so that he wasn't going to end up being traded. That's what I really thought. All this talk was going to lead to nothing. So I was kind of surprised when the move was actually made. Um, wasn't surprised that San Diego was the team that c- came out on top of the Juan Soto sweeps. But after acquiring him from the Nationals, I think they won their first game and then scuffled a little bit, got swept by the Dodgers. And so it hasn't really worked out so far. But there was a whole lot of talk about Soto, Machado, and Fernando Tatis Jr., who's been injured all year, but was on his way back, forming, I guess, the baseball version of a big three. First of all, I don't know if you can have a big three in baseball in the lineup. No. Maybe you can have a big three in the starting <laughs> rotation. I don't know. But um, And then this past Friday, it was announced by Major League Baseball that Fernando Tatis Jr. tested positive for a performance-enhancing substance and has been suspended for 80 games. So it's a lot there. First, let's talk about Tatis because I think that story obviously has ramifications, not only for this year, but for next year and maybe even beyond. Um, But what are your thoughts on the Tatis suspension? I think, well, when I first heard it, I was shocked 
like I saw it and I thought it was like one of those fake Twitter pages that was posting up news to kind of get some likes and all this stuff. And then I see a couple other reporters posting the same thing. I'm like, wait a minute, this can't be. I was shocked. And then instantly it was disappointment Um, because a lot of Tatis being out this year was obviously injuries from a motorcycle accident, not a baseball injury. Um, And basically the frustration also came from this guy is arguably, you know, a year or two ago, we're talking about, and I was one of the first people saying it might be the face of baseball. You know, he's exciting. He brings the swag. He brings the electricity. I think I called him the most electric player in baseball since I don't know when, maybe since Ken Griffey Jr. And now we have this going on. And, yeah, he's young. He's 23 years old. But this is going to be the black cloud over his career forever. This will never go away for him. You know, obviously he has to play games in order to qualify for the Hall of Fame down the road. But this is – it was pure disappointment because – we are losing a player by his own doing. This is his mistake. This is his his own doing. We're missing out on, the, on a great talent. Um, the fans of San Diego are missing out on the possibility of, of a great playoff run with these three guys. And it, it, like I, it's just pure disappointment, Jeff. And I couldn't believe it. It's frustrating. Also, it's frustrating as a Dominican myself, seeing a Dominican athlete of that stature who, you know, a lot of us Dominicans, we look at our baseball players and we praise them. They, we put them up on a mantle a lot of times, you know, dating back to like the Sammy Sosa's and even before them. And to see that this guy decided to do that and, you know, whatever story is out there, it, it's definitely disappointing. It's frustrating. It's heartbreaking. Um, a lot of, a lot of those same words. And, and it's just, it's just frustrating. Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. It's disappointing. Um, on so many levels. Um, I was shocked at the news. Um, not because I think that he was not capable of it. I mean, we've seen players, you know, get suspended all the time, but a guy of this magnitude, as you said, you know, someone who potentially could be the face of baseball, someone who was being touted as the next big thing. And, you know, last year he's, he's he suffered with various ailments, especially with his shoulder this year, the motorcycle accident, as you said, um, put him on the shelf for the whole year. And now he's going to end up not playing the whole year to this point. And now with the suspension, even though he was on his way back to finish out this season, now he won't. So he's going to miss this whole year. He's going to miss about 30 games next year as he finishes out the suspension. Um, but, you know, with the acquisition of Soto and they, you know, the Padres made some other moves, right? Josh Hader coming over from the Brewers. Um, they got uh, Drury from Cincinnati, uh, give him some extra pop in the lineup. And so there was some thought with that starting rotation that they have with Darvish and, and Musgrove and, and, and Blake Snell that they would be able to, to make some noise. Um, and so there was a whole lot of excitement, and then it got dashed by mm-hmm. this news. Um, so, you know, if you're a Padres fan, it's got to be a tough day. And um, if the GM is any barometer, um, it's a really tough day because A.J. Preller, the GM of the um, Padres, you know, he didn't issue the standard statement that we typically see from clubs in situations like this. He came out and started talking about there needs to be some trust, you know, mm-hmm. built mean player and club. He kind of took some shots at Tatis, and I think part of that is just the frustration of first we have a non-baseball related injury that led to you not playing up until now. Then we go out and try to really improve this team and make a deep run, and here we go. Now, you know, one of the guys we were going to be depending on, for both now and going forward, is going to be out on a, on a drug suspension. Um, and so Prella kind of let him have it, but it's, it's, it kind of took the, the wind out of the sails, didn't it? Of what was the biggest acquisition at the trade deadline. And that was, you know, the trade for Juan Soto. Yeah. And listen, Preller, like you said, he did not hold back. And I think it's a lot of what you're saying, you know, the investment in Tatis with the, the huge contract, 
it's a lot, a little bit of everything, and I think it just blew over for him, and that's why we didn't get the the blanket statement or the the same statement, you know, copy paste yeah. statement they put out. Um, but yeah, man, it just, it sucked the life out of it. Seeing the Juan Soto trade, all of a sudden you get excited. Even as as a fan of the Yankees or any other fan, you get excited when you see a team make such a huge trade, knowing that all right, they just got Josh Hader. Are they really gonna trade for Soto? Like it was a a momentum building throughout the last few days before the Soto trade actually went down, where it's like, Padres are in it, this team is in it, and all of a sudden it's like breaking news. They, they've they just acquired Juan Soto. It's like, no way. They actually did it. And now we're not going to get a chance to see um, these three guys together for this playoff run, which would have been electric. You know, this, this play, obviously they're going to play together next year and maybe the season after that. But having them having Tatis come back for that playoff run you know, keep them in the wild card. And then into October, that would have been some must-watch baseball. And listen, the Padres, maybe they still make it and they'll still be must-watch baseball in October. But it would have been very different with Tatis there at short. Couldn't agree more. And, you know, now San Diego fans and baseball fans have to wait until next year to see uh, to see that. But... um well, you know, San Diego still has a good shot of making the postseason, but it's not assured because they're either going to be the wild card or they're going to be home um, yeah. because the Dodgers have a huge lead over them in the NL West, and San Diego's in the dogfight um, for a wild card spot. Um, so we'll, we, we will see what happens. But, yeah, I mean, but Soto, you know, again, a transcendent player, um, young, uh talented now in San Diego um, they have him under reserve for the next couple of years too so it's not like he was a one-year rental or something like that so they have him under reserve before he you know presumably will hit free agency um, so the Padres have an opportunity to you know perhaps make some noise for the next couple of years at the very least with Soto as part of you know part of the mix so We'll see what happens there, man. But yeah, really big story coming out of of, of baseball. Um, switching gears, going to another sport. Um, Deshaun Watson, NFL quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. I think he now has settled all twenty-four of his cases uh, filed against him um, by various women who alleged sexual assault. Um, but he had his arbitration hearing. Um, uh, it was held, you know, uh, a few weeks ago. Decision came out and six-game suspension issued by the arbitrator slash judge. And um, the NFL was not happy and, in fact, has appealed the suspension. And the appeal goes to Roger Goodell or his designee, and he designated an arbitrator and then, Rob, you and I joked about it. And then Roger Goodell promptly started making public comments about how much uh, Deshaun Watson deserves at least a year. So no subtlety there as to what he wants his hand-picked arbitrator to do. Um, uh, I'm going to say right out front, I don't believe Deshaun Watson is playing in the NFL this year. I think the odds are very low that he takes a snap in a regular season game this year. Um, what are your thoughts about Deshaun Watson and, and his situation right now? I'm on, I'm with you there. I don't think he's going to play this year. I think, honestly, he should have gotten a lot more than just the six games to begin with. Um, but he got the six games for whatever reason, and then reading everything that came out as a result of the six games, it was like, how is this only six games, right? And Listen, I don't, I don't think he should play this season. And I think the NFL, whatever they decide, hopefully it is the full year and he's gone for the year. I think the Cleveland Browns have positioned themselves in a, in a point where they can say, where they thought he's not going to play the year based on the contract extension they gave him and the way it was structured, where he really doesn't lose money this year from that extension. Um, they got their, the backup quarterback ready to go. I'm, I'm blanking on his name right now. Uh, but they got him ready to go as he's going to be the starter. And listen, they, I think they had an idea that he was going to miss the season. They prepared for it. And honestly, I hope that he's out for the year. 
It it certainly looks like he will be. Um, because again, I, I just think the NFL's system, the grievance arbitration system, has always, you know, worked against players. And I think we're seeing it here. Um, you know, one of the great things about you know, baseball arbitration is that you actually have neutral arbitrators. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Arbitrator is is selected by both sides and can be fired by either side. You don't have this commissioner's designee yeah. <laughs> doing appeals and stuff like that. It's just crazy. Not with grievance arbitration. Maybe some on-field stuff that's different, but grievance arbitration, no. And to have that here with the stakes so high, um, and it's essentially being appealed in house. <laughs> Deshaun Watson's gonna—he's he, gonna get a lot more than six games, and who knows? Yeah. Maybe, maybe he gets even because the NFL has said things like they want it to be indefinite, but at least a year. Mm. But think about that—they're really saying, "Look, if you want to suspend him a year, and you know, eighteen, you know, a year and a half." You know, a season and a half, two seasons, but it needs to be at least one. Yeah. That, that's pretty stiff medicine right there. But, yeah, I don't think Deshaun Watson is going to play this year, but we'll see. Um, Jacoby Brissett is the Cleveland's backup. QB. Okay. Okay. Um, another guy who... I don't know if he's going to play or certainly where he's going to play is Kevin Durant. Um, right. You know, a member of the Brooklyn Nets. Um, but he's demanded a trade as we all know, but I mean, he even came out Durant did and said essentially either Nash and the GM goes or he goes kind of thing. Um, and the Nets front, you know, owner quickly said that's not happening. You know, Nash and, and the GM are not going anywhere. Steve Nash, the head coach, and they're not going anywhere. Um, what do you think of the KD situation? Do you see him getting traded, or you think he's going to have to find a way to play another season in Brooklyn? I think he's going to end up having to play another season, at least half a season in Brooklyn. Um, it's going to get messy, I think. Uh, there's swirling reports out there I'm looking now saying – you know, he's more likely to retire than play for the Nets. I don't think he's going to retire. I think KD loves basketball too much to retire. But it's going to get ugly. Um, it's going to continue to get ugly. But at the end of the day, Kevin Durant, as great as he is, at least from my point of view, he doesn't have much leverage here. You know, he's he's locked into a contract. I think he has four years left. Um, <clears throat> the Nets have no reason to trade him. You know, he wanted to go there. They made the moves. They got Kyrie. They moved heaven and earth to get James Harden in there. Then they had to move him for Ben Simmons. I think KD is locked in. I think the Nets have invested too much um, around him to now get rid of him, even though they'll recoup a a ton of assets, obviously, for a guy like KD. But Mm -hmm. I don't think that the Nets are going to allow this to happen. Excuse me. Because I don't think, as an organization, they want to give the player that much power. Um, We saw what happened with Anthony Davis and, you know, his contract, I believe, was running out with with the Pelicans at the time of the L.A. trade. But KD is four years locked in, I believe. So I don't think there's going to be an organization that's going to give the player that much power. And we know Adam Silver came out and said, you know, he wishes that something like this didn't happen. So it wouldn't be it wouldn't shock me if he puts his hand in there and says, all right, even if it's behind the scenes and we never hear about it, if he goes in and says, all right, KD, you need to chill out. Because you need to honor that contract. You need to stay there, stick it out at least another year or two, and then you can request a trade when your contract's almost up. But I think I don't think their Nets are going to trade KD, at least not now when he's saying so. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen in that situation. You may be right that perhaps – he plays the first half of the season for the Nets, and then at the trade deadline, they find someone for him. Sort of like what we saw with Ben Simmons, mm-hmm. with just trading him last year, oddly enough, to the Nets, right? Yeah. Um, the Nets right now just have a bunch of misfits. <laughs> ben Simmons, 
Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. You don't know if any of those three guys really want to be there. Yeah. It's the strangest thing that you ever have seen. But as a Knicks fan, I'm loving it, man. I hope yeah. I, I, I hope they can't figure it out. I really do. But, you know, um, I, I hope they all sit out the season. Let all three of them sit out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you got to figure Ben Simmons has to come back. <laughs> I mean, he can't keep having something going, you know, something wrong that keeps him yeah. off the court. Um, and Kyrie essentially has been healthy. It hasn't been a health issue with him uh, in recent years. Um, but w- whatever. Uh, to me, the KD drama is unfortunate. Um, but, you know, we have what we have. Uh, and we'll see what happens with him. But um, I think he's going to end up staying staying in, in Brooklyn. Um, Last thing, man, you know, we've been talking about Brittany Griner from the very beginning, and a lot has been happening for the last several months uh, where she was sentenced to nine years um, uh, in, like, a prison camp. Um, But everybody, you know, knew that that part of the process had to happen. But more recently, even the Russian officials who for a while have been downplaying the the potential of a deal, have acknowledged that the United States and the Russian government have been talking a prisoner swap, um, which could also include um, others other than, you know, um, Griner and and the um I'm, I'm blanking on his on, on his name the guy who's like the drug and uh, the gun runner uh who's been in the u.s prison for a while yeah victor um, victor Bout. okay i don't know um, if that's how you pronounce his last name but yeah but it seems as if you know obviously things have heated up things could take all kinds of turns but it seems as if you know, things are in motion for Brittany Griner to be back home in the United States. So that's good news. And also, you know, there could be some other um, individuals involved, including Waylon, I forget his first name, the former Marine who um, was, uh, who's been in, in, in custody in Russia for a while. Um, Paul Whalen, I think his name is. Yeah. And so, um, you know, he may be part of the swap as well, but it does seem like there's some good news on that front. Yeah, and that's always and that's good to hear because listen, man, from day one, this has been a, a terrifying situation. And mind you, day one for us is different than day one for Brittany Griner, right? Because we didn't know about it for for weeks, I believe it was. Yeah. Um. So it's good to see that this stuff is trending in a positive direction for her to be coming back home and finally be reunited with her family and all that. So. Um, hopefully, you know, for the betterment of of everybody, she is able to come home much sooner rather than later, and they can get this worked out. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know. But again, you know, these things seem to be so delicate yeah. that you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself. But it does seem as if, um, you know things are certainly moving in that direction. And so we'll we'll keep our eye on that. But that's it for this one, bro. Um, we're going to get on up out of here, but um, I'm looking forward to the Mets playing Atlanta. And let me tell you something. I'm down here in Charlotte, bro, and I don't have, you know, MLB package. You know, I had it when I was um, when, when I was in New Jersey. But I moved down here, I don't have it. And so, you know, I don't really get the games. But I do have Bally Sports Southeast, I think it's called. And that's the Atlanta Brave Station. Mm. Uh, when I watch the games, when the Met, they played the Mets. Now, I understand there's some announcers who are homers. But my goodness, these guys are terrible. We <laughs> need a base hit right here. You know what I mean? They 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 speak in terms of we when they talk about the Braves. 
Naina, how I feel with the Boston reporters over here, man. Whether it's the oh. Celtics or the Red Sox, it's all – you might as well, Naina, you just be watching the Red Sox playing by themselves yeah. the way these guys talk. I'm telling you, I, I know sometimes you say I had to turn the sound down. No, I'm telling you, <laughs> I muted the TV. I really did. I had gotten to the point where I just could not take – this guy anymore you know what i mean and it was so funny because coming to that series at at, at at city field it was a five-game series and it was one of those where if the Braves won every game they could have left the town you know left town in first place and, oh um, big series coming up big series coming up and then when the mets now took the three out of the first four it was all of a sudden well if we if we win tomorrow we'll only lose one game in the standings i said wow isn't it funny how the perspective has changed you're talking about perhaps being in first place now you're talking about only losing one game in the standings if you win tomorrow and they ended up losing so and then when they were losing the game it was well. We got seven more games, and all seven, and they did. He did it like this: are in Atlanta. <laughs> like hide the women and children. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> They're Let's in. Get ready Atlanta. to rumble. <laughs> Michael, oh, you know what, man? <laughs> so the Mets man. are playing the Braves, and I have the 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 terrible misfortune if I'm going. going the games of having to watch it on the Braves network. Man, uh, so good luck. And if they're winning, forget about it. If they're winning <laughs> the game, I mean, these guys are like, they got on party <laughs> hats and streamers and they got horns and stuff. Man, yeah. good luck yeah. to you. Yeah. So, <laughs> anyway, but we will, uh, we'll come back next week and we'll see where the Mets, how they fared in Atlanta. Um, and we'll keep our eye on the other things going on in the world of sports but good good wrapping with you today and we'll look to do it again next week uh, when we come back with another edition of Sports 360